Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. Well, you know, here we are. We're back for another episode of Fostering Change. You know, it's hard to believe that 2022 is already here and we're into it like we have never seen before. You know, I've always wondered um, what my future would bring. And never did I think that it would bring so much of friendship that I have had with so many people across our country. You know, I actually have met our next guest through social media. And and we have became friends. We have um, been actually able to do what I think is most important, and that is support each other. And what I'm excited about is our next guest is actually an ambassador for Comfort Cases. She was crowned in the USA Ambassador Miss 2021. And actually, I just found out, and I didn't know this until I was reading the notes, she was actually crowned on her birthday. I mean, what an amazing gift. But the thing that I love the most, she's a sister. She's a sister of mine because we both had experienced the foster care system. Everyone, please welcome my friend, um, our ambassador of comfort cases on the West Coast, Jamerica. Jamerica, welcome to Fostering Change. Good morning, Rob. You're going to make me cry this morning. That was so sweet of you. Like you said, thank you. You know, I have to say, I will never forget when you and I um, met through social media, and I have been a big fan of yours ever since. I have been following you. And then when I saw you get crowned in 2021, um, you know, I, I thought about my daughter, you know, my daughter who is, you know, a senior in high school. She's 17 years old. She was in the system. And I think about all the other girls um, who were in the system and did they ever think they'd have an opportunity to wear a crown? And to me, um, I actually remember the first time I was asked to judge a, um, it was a Miss, and actually I think it was, it was actually uh, a Miss 20, um, a Miss America pageant of, of a particular county. And the first thing I thought to myself, was I don't really understand all of this pageant stuff. And I thought it was all based on, you know, I don't really like, I don't feel comfortable, all the beauty, but it's not about that. It's about all of the scholarships and the educating and, and supporting women and making them powerful. Before we get into your story and all the amazing things that you have been doing, can you let our listener know, listeners know a little bit about pageants? Yes. You know, like anything else, there's always a rhyme and reason for something. And it's always about the particular pageant system. So with me being a part of the USA Ambassador Pageant, we are very community focused and community service driven. And so for me, my platform is a chance to succeed, empowering youth and foster care. I entered into care at the age of five and I spent my entire childhood more or less in the child welfare system, um, in kinship, foster to adopt, out of home placements, as well as other living arrangements. 
And just going through that experience, Rob, really inspired me to see better change for families in the system, not just to feel like someone who's being shuffled along, but to truly have one's needs met during a difficult time in one's life. And, you know, the fact that you share this, you know, that you were in the system at the age of five and, and all of the placements and even the, you know, foster to adopt and, and you know, it it saddens my heart. And what saddens my heart every single day is that I feel that foster care is not the answer. I feel that when you have a child as young as you are, and by the way, I was just doing an interview and listening to the statistics that I know about, you know about, I mean, the average age of a child in this system waiting for a home to be adopted is six years old in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so to know that you were five years old and we could not find you a forever family, um, and then you had the grit to not only age out of the system, but get a college education. I mean, you're a renowned journalist. I mean, how did that happen? Well, there's a couple of things. When I went into care at the age of five, and this is something I think everyone should know, is that foster care wasn't created to adopt children out. It was created to be a safety net program for families going through time of crisis. Um, and I think it's important that we honor birth families for better or worse in the respects that children more than not love their parents. They want to be home with them. And unfortunately, sometimes parents aren't able to care for their children, nor are they able to keep them safe. So the premise was when I went into care, like many other children, re reunification was the goal. And that did not happen. And I think it's important that we mourn those losses. And allow children and families to reflect that before one can move on and heal. No, I and agree so, with you. I agree absolutely. with you. You just hit the nail yeah. on the head, my friend. Yeah. You, just, you know, every, you know, I have five kids and each one of them have a life story. Each one yes. of them. And no matter why they came into the system, you know, and we all in a ways know that the system that's immediate goal is reunification. They love mm -hmm. their biological mom and dads. And yes. just like I loved my biological mom and dads. But what I, my question to you, and not to cut you off, because I've been thinking oh, a lot about this. My question to you is, how long do we wait? You know, I mean, I see kids come into the system and they're in the system three and a half years with the same yeah. goal of reunification, even though they're being bounced to foster home to foster home, even though biological parents are not doing anything to try to gain their children back, yes. the judge continues that reunification. How long does a child sit on the sidelines waiting for <laughs> an adult to be an adult? Yes, completely. It really depends case by case. As you know, Rob, I think a parent should be given the chance to work on themselves, right? And oftentimes when people are suffering um, from trauma, right, that impacts their ability to function. And so being able to go into drug treatment, be able to have a counselor where you can talk about that trauma so it doesn't impact one's parenting, right? So for some parents, that could be six months, it could be two years, but we have to give those a fighting chance. But with that being said, children shouldn't be forced to wait on the sidelines. You know, I was adopted out of foster care and that did provide some benefits to me, right? Being able to, you know, just worry about myself and not having to be in a chaotic situation where I was um, constantly worrying. 
but also too, we have to support families after adoption. I know that there was some opportunity for me to um, talk to a counselor about what I went through, but unfortunately I did not receive the treatment that I needed in order to be helped. So all the way around people need support, Rob. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think that it's such a failure for us as a system, as, as a community, mm-hmm. as a society that we, you know, and, and as a dad who I, 14 years ago, my children arrived and mm-hmm. I will have to tell you when my children arrived 14 years ago, I wasn't as educated about the system as I am today, even though mm-hmm. I was a product of the system. And I was this dad who was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to change their lives. I'm going to give them a home and give them love and give them all the clothes they need and take them on amazing vacations and just give, 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 give. I will have to say, and this is the first time I've ever said this in an interview, I was wrong. You know, because I kept thinking that just because I was going to give them this stuff, this safety, this, you know, foundation of love, that it was going to make them think that everything was okay when instead what I have found out in 13 years is I have children that suffer from reactive attachment disorder. I have children that are bipolar. I have children that, you know, have PTSD, children that have so many things and nowhere through this journey did anyone walk up to us after we signed those adoption papers and say, you know what, you need this support. So now we're having to apply to play catch up. So I agree mm-hmm. with you. You know, we need to support the adopted families after yes. children have been adopted. For sure, Rob. And I thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. And, and one thing that I like to tell prospective foster and adoptive parents, because I've done this work myself, you know, talking to a therapist and just journaling and revisiting some of the things I experienced is that it's okay to talk to a professional, right? One thing that I often tell people is that if you're working with youth in care, if you're a parent to a child that you're adopted or fostering is in those really tough moments is to sit and ask yourself, what is stopping you, right? And I think sometimes people feel not as confident, like, can I really do this? Or, you know, they may feel threatened by the idea that this child has more than one set of parents, right? If you're in a foster adoptive situation and it's important to acknowledge those feelings and not just, you know, allow oneself to be carried away by all this hypothetical, you know, scariness, like, oh, what happens if the biological family comes back into the life? Or what happens when my children grow up and leave, right? I think sometimes foster and adoptive parents can be very attached to their children becoming their children. They don't think about that time when they grow up and they become independent. And that can be very grief striking in a way, right? Where, and sometimes parents may not know what to do afterwards. So um, I know that I've talked to other foster and adoptive youth where they end up losing contact with their families, um, even in adoption cases, because, you know, the parents just weren't prepared emotionally to deal with that transition. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Listen, we're going to take a quick break here. But listen, everybody, I I love when I have my conversations with friends. I love the fact that if you really listen to this interview, um, it can teach us so much. And that's what this is all about. This whole entire podcast of Fostering Change is to educate each and every one of us about all the things that are happening within our foster to adopt families. And you know, some things that I shared today that I never thought I would share, but I want each and every one of us to know that we have 100,000 children, 100,000 children who do deserve a foundation and who deserve a family, but it's up to us to educate ourselves on the journey that we're going on. We'll be right back. Comfort Cases is now partnered with Clean the World, an amazing organization dedicated to water, sanitation, and hygiene. Clean the World operates recycling centers across the world, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, Las Vegas, Orlando, and including our nation's capital. They are leading a global hygiene revolution. They are distributing recycled soap and hygiene products for more than 8,000 travel and hospitality partners. Clean the World has made the decision to donate hygiene products to comfort cases so we can place them in our cases. These products are so important to our youth that are entering foster care. You know, having their own brand new hygiene product really means a lot to them. These donations will truly give these kids an amazing feeling of self-worth. I want to thank you so much, Clean the World. And for more information on how you can donate, please visit their website at cleantheworld.org. Well, we are back, and this is another amazing conversation. You know, it's all about the conversation. It's conversations that you have at the dinner table. It's conversations that you have even when you're standing in the grocery store. I tell people all the time, if you have an opportunity to talk about kids, kids that belong to all of us, then it's so important that you do that. And that's exactly what I'm doing with my guests and my friend, Jamerica. You know, Jamerica, I want to talk about this because this is something that I feel that people brush over. And I feel that the word we step on eggshells, and that is about, you know, interracial adoption. You know, for me, I have adopted, you know, four children of color. One of my children is white. And when my kids arrived, I will tell you, I was that privileged white man who was like, you know, I didn't look at their color. I just wanted to be a dad. But as my kids grew grew up, I started realizing that if I didn't acknowledge their color, okay, then I didn't acknowledge them. And just because they were living now with two white dads did not mean the fact that they were not black children. And then having boys, you know, I have three boys of color. I never thought I would ever have to have that conversation, which I have. If daddy gets pulled over and knock on wood, I never have. Put your hands on the dashboard. You know, um, the thing is, is that I will never know what it's like to be black. And so am I doing a disservice as a dad by thinking, you know, by you know, saying I have children of color, should I have not done that? I mean, what do you feel about this whole interracial adoption? I think when people talk about interracial adoption, I think it's important to know you are now a multicultural family. You know, it's not just I'm a white parent and I have black children. 
that is true, you know, because ethnicity is there and culture is there and that needs to be acknowledged, right? And that goes beyond color, you know, it goes beyond generations. And so that is one thing that's important to acknowledge when we talk about race. And I tell parents who are adopting children of a different ethnicity, because it's not always white parents adopting black children. There have been people who adopted, you know, Asian children, Hispanic children, and, and black parents who have adopted white children, right? It's important to know that you are a multicultural family and that is your identity as a whole. I think sometimes people split it. And I think it is important to let children know that we see them and that not only are we going to protect them, but love them for who we who they are, right? And if we're willing to do that, I feel that it could work. And like you said, it's just having those crucial conversations on a regular basis. Yeah, and it's something that we do. You know, my husband, Reese, he's, it's so important to him that our children see pictures um, that look like them on our walls in our house. So if you go through our home, you'll see that most of the pictures on the walls of our home are either beautiful pictures of, you know, people of color, um, of all different, you know, because it's so important because I think that we as a society don't realize how important that is. I'll never forget, and it's been years since when Black Panther came out. And my oh, youngest yeah. son, who is now 13 years old, um, we took the kids to go see Black Panther. And I remember looking over at watching my children watch that show. And I actually started to cry. And the reason I started to cry is because I grew up in a society that showed people like me all the time. And for the first time, as I sat in this big theater, I was able to look on the screen and see nothing but people that looked like my children. And it made me think about, wow, you know, what does that do to my psyche if I'm a child of color and I don't see that on a daily basis? You know, I think that we can do better as society when it comes to that. Yes, for sure. I remember when I was 10, leaving a foster home in an urban Black area to a small town that was exclusively white, with the exception of the Native American reservation that was there and the Native families who lived and worked and went to school in the community. And I remember just feeling very alone. And it was very tough for me, especially during my teenage years, when I just started to question who I was and what I looked like. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I met other people like me, you know, Black people, Black professionals, friends, and it was like, oh, okay, you know, there's nothing wrong with the way that I look, you know, this is how Black people look, right? And I know that's a funny thing to talk about aesthetically, but it's so true just to be able to see those living examples in your everyday life. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's something that we have always thrived to make sure that we do is, again, not only having the pictures, but having the people. You know, I remember when we were looking for a church and I write about it in my memoir is it was so important for me and my husband for us to find a church to raise our children in where the majority of the people were people of color. And so we go to a church where it's about 75 percent African-American and um, about 30 percent, you know, white and and every and a couple other mixed in, but it was, it was so important because I felt like, you know, 
giving that type of experience to our children. But I will have to tell you, as a dad who's white, um, I, there's not a day that goes by that I think, gosh, am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, teaching my sons the right way? Am I, am I forgetting something, you know? And, and, and it, it's definitely not easy and definitely in today's society. You know, we have over 100,000 kids that are waiting for a forever family. And as you know, they give us two months a year to celebrate. November, we just celebrated National Adoption Awareness Month, you know, to make sure that, you know, we're aware of the adoption. We know that more kids get adopted out of foster care in November's than any other month. And then we have May that's coming up, which is National Foster Care Awareness Month. And what do you want people to know about the children that are waiting for forever families? It is so important of having that foundation of family. I got married a year ago now and having someone there with you every day that you can lean on, that you can love and just share your life with is so important. And it's especially important for children who are in foster care, who don't have the opportunity to go back home to their biological family where they're just sitting there waiting to be a part of that forever family that will accept them for who they are, love them in a place where they can also love others and have that influence and be part of a family group. That is so important. So I always tell people, if it's something you're curious about to read about it, ask others who have adopted And if that is something that you want to do, just being patient with yourself, having grace. And like I said, you know, as you continue along this journey, it's okay to go and talk to someone, especially as you begin that process of fostering or adopting. It's important to know that there is support out there and you don't have to do this alone. I agree. And, you know, we've talked about this quite often. My oldest son, who is now 21 years old, he actually arrived at the age of 18. Um, And no one ever would have thought that we would have uh, had an 18 year old come into our home. And now all of a sudden he is our adopted son. Um, And so I don't ever think that there's an age that we should say no to. I think that if if you feel that yearning in your heart, you need to investigate it. You need to investigate it. And the things that I want people to hear and I want people to know is that there is no such thing as a bad child, okay? These kids are in the system because of choices other people made, other people made. And, you know, yep, sometimes my kids push me away a little bit more, but guess what? So do other kids who are biologically related to people. So we go through the same exact thing, you know, Jamerica, if people had questions, I think that you, you know, my friendship with you means so much. And I do consider you one of the experts out there. And I love the fact that people bring you in as, as a, as a speaker to, to their, their events. But people could reach out and ask you questions or maybe even have you come and be a speaker. How do they get a hold of you? Yes. I would advise people to go to my website cleverjam.com. I presume that you'll put it on your website, but it's C-L-E-V-E-R-J-A-M.com and they can email me. Yeah. there. And, and guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, get her newsletter. 
Get the blog. Get, I love it. I read it. I look forward to it. Um, you know, it is definitely a lot of amazing information. And by the way, I haven't had an opportunity to talk to you. And even though we've chatted back and forth, your wedding dress, wow. Okay. So I just want to tell you, listen, I cannot thank you enough. Again, it's talking to you. It's just like talking to one of my dearest and closest friends. And I do thank think you. you are. And I can't wait to see you. I'm definitely this year going to be out in your neck of the woods. And you and I are definitely going to be getting together so I can give you that big hug that I've been dying to give you. Listen, everybody, you all have an opportunity. You all have an opportunity to be a part of the change. You know, to make sure that a child of today is your future tomorrow. And that's something we must all understand. The child that we help today is your future tomorrow. Listen, for another episode of Fostering Change, I could not have had a better day than speaking with my friend. And again, I hope you all tune in next Tuesday for another episode of Fostering Change. Take care, everyone. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.